For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. First of all, Randy, how you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing very well, Jeff, and I'm just happy for uh, June to be coming up oh, yeah. here and uh, getting warm and drier. Oh, yeah. Well, the drier part is the part I'm excited about. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, but I'm kind of wondering, you know, when does winter come back? Because I don't like this <laughs> hot weather. You're not a summer person, it sounds like to me. I like the spring. I think my favorite season here has got to be fall because the leaves are turning. It's not too cold. It's not too hot. Winter's around the corner of the holidays. But, you know, hey, summer's not that bad at all. We hope everybody else is doing well this morning, and uh, we thank them for joining us here for another hour of great financial talk. On today's radio show, gentlemen, we're going to start off with a question that I think a lot of people listening to this program have probably asked themselves, and that is, when should I retire? Is when should I retire probably the best question? Should we start there? Or are there other questions, do you think, that we should ask ourselves before we get to when should I retire? You know, that's a really good question, Jeff. I mean, one of the things that I look at as I look back over my career and where I am right now, you know, a lot of people would say, well, Randy, why haven't you retired yet? Well, you know, sometimes we have momentum. We've been working a long time and, you know, maybe we're not ready to quite give it up yet. And then sometimes maybe it's financial reasons. We, we think, well, we're just not quite where we want to be to really retire the way we want to. And then the other thing may be, well, you know, the economy is in a downturn. Uh, you know, they're blowing up Ukraine. You know, taxes are going to go up. Capital gains look rough in the future. We got all these things that are always pulling on us. And I would say that probably the best thing people should be asking themselves is, what do I really want to do? And I think of life kind of in different seasons. You know, you get married, right. you raise a family, you know, you're empty nesters, and then you get to retirement age. And so, you know, the new season of retirement should be, you know, where people are going to be able to get out and do the things that maybe they've always dreamed of. And so a lot of it comes down to not only money, but when am I going to have my health? When am I going to feel my best? So when should I retire? You know, when you think it's right and with the careful help of a planner that can help you see where you want to go. I think it really comes down to uh, to two questions. When do you want to retire? Mm -hmm. And when are you able to retire? So let's assume for a second that you're able to retire now. What is the best few years of your life, of the rest of your life going to be? You know, most likely it's going to be the next few years, right? Right. You know, at least for us guys, after about age 25, it's all downhill from there. You know? <laughs> Thanks. And so, and so every every day that goes by after that, you know, it's a little less. And so if you're 55 or 60 and you're looking at retiring, you know, you're never going to get to the end of your life and look back and say, you know, 
Yeah. I really wish I'd have worked harder. Yeah. I really wish I'd have spent another 10 hours a week on the tractor. I wish I would have just, you know, worked 60 hours a week for five more years. You know, now you're going to, you're going to wish that you spent more time with your family, more time with your grandkids, that kind of thing. And I think it's important to have that perspective. And sometimes that's a lot about what we talk about in here. Yeah. And I think you're right there. And as I've said many times, I've never seen anybody on their deathbed. And I say exactly what you said, Jake, who who has said, I wished I'd spend more time at the office or out there in the field working. What they say is, I wish I'd spent more time doing the things that made me happy and spending more time with my family. So that's a very, very important point. Let's get back to something else that you talked about. And that is, when can I retire financially? Is there a magic amount of money or how do you figure out how much money that one needs in order to successfully retire? Yeah, that's a great question as well, Jeff. And so, you know, everybody's situation is totally different because we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different economic profiles and things that we're used to through life. And so, you know, the thing I always tell people is, you know, generally, I would say this too, as people come in here and sit down with us the first time, the thing that I find as we talk to them is they've pretty well, while maybe not even cognizant of it, they've kind of pretty well positioned themselves to know kind of where they're going to live and how much income they're going to have. And really what our job is here is to put the plan together to make sure that, you know, they can meet their income requirements now that they need for a, you know, a satisfactory budget and also look down the road and say, hey, you know, if we have these economic downturns, if we have inflation and all these horrible things that can come along to derail retirement, if we put a plan in place to make sure that they're going to be protected from those things, then people People are pretty well, okay, yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and pull the trigger on this retirement thing. Let's get it done. Yeah, and uh, I would imagine that sometimes you're the bearer of good news. And what I mean by that is that people come in and they go, well, I don't think I can retire yet. I've got to work, you know, maybe another five years. But when you really run all the numbers and take a look at what they got, I mean, many times people can retire. They don't even know it, right? Well, that's right. A lot of people know the day that they want to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, sometimes we'll have people come in and they'll say, you know, I want to retire November 1st of next year. Right. You know, or they'll, or they'll, they'll have this day in mind and they'll say after that, am I ready? You know, can I do that? I want, this is what I want to do. Is that possible? And so then we look at the numbers we run all the scenarios and we say, yes, or, or, or very rarely do people come in that are, that are like, I'm ready to retire, and we find that they're not ready. You know, for the most part, people don't make it in to see us until they're moderately ready. But that is one of the functions we serve here is to kind of analyze that position and say, here's how much income you can expect. You know, does that work for your budget? You know, and some people will say, you know, no, I don't think that's it. One of the things, Jeff, you and I talked about uh, yesterday is that a lot of times we'll do an analysis on people's income and things like that. And mm-hmm. Say, here's your budget. Here's here's what you're used to spending. And by working two more years, maybe that gives you an extra $500 a month in retirement. Is two more years of your life worth $500 a month to you? Yeah. And nobody can answer that question except you. But I find that at $500 a month, in a lot of cases, the answer would be no. At $2,000 a month, a lot of cases, the answer would be yes. But that's all in the eye of the beholder, you know. But a lot of times we're able to quantify it in that way and really makes the decision-making process easier for people and say, hey, if I work this much longer, here's how much more income I get. That's simply not worth it to me. I want those two or three years of my life. So I'm just going to go ahead and pull the trigger now. 
What part of retirement income does Social Security play, and uh, can you maximize Social Security? I mean, do you think that most people leave a good amount of money on the table when it comes to Social Security if they don't know how to maximize it? Yeah, I think that's possible, Jeff. But again, I think we have to go back to this thing again where, you know, there's the financial side of things, kind of like Jake alluded to there, you know, the $500 a month or the $2,000 a month difference. In Social Security, it can be substantial, you know, between 62, full retirement age, which for most people today is between 66 and six months and 67. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the maximum retirement age of age 70. There's quite a lot of difference in those payouts, but generally we find that it's going to take somewhere between 10 and 14 years no matter when you pull that trigger for you to get even by waiting and taking the larger payments. So if you know if people have any type of health condition and they're ready to retire at 62, I mean maybe that's a big factor. We have some people that come in and they are, you know, really raring to go, still happy working 65, 66, not planning to retire, don't want to retire. For those folks, maybe they do need to go ahead and work to age 70 because for them, retirement is not about, you know, escaping from something. <laughs> they, they love where they are and doing what they're doing. And then for a lot of people, they've worked 30, 40 years. And I would also say that the job that people have done and what they've been exposed to over their lifetime and how difficult that job is. You know, if you're a lineman or a construction worker or you work in a factory, it's a much different deal than if you've been sitting, you know, behind a desk and things where maybe, you know, your body's not quite as worn out, you know, as it would be Mm -hmm. from some of those other professions. But the long and the short of it is everybody's situation is different. And Social Security probably makes up, I would say, between 35 and 45 percent of the retirement income we see in here now for most people. Well, sort of the shift of this conversation has gone to the money side of retirement. And as you said, I mean, retirement's about a lot more than just money. But again, focusing back on the money, because I think most people are really interested in that aspect of it. Many people don't have pensions today. Most people have Social Security. If you don't have a pension, what are some of the pension substitutes that you might employ? So, you know, a couple of things to think about as we start down this path here is, you know, for some people, and normally when we see people in here to retire or getting ready to, they're 55 plus. But it's important for people to remember that, you know, if you're listening to this show today and you're in your late 40s or maybe you've hit that magic age of 50, you know, you now can contribute more money to your IRAs. You can now contribute more money to your 401k. Those are the catch-up contributions that the IRS allows us to have. So for your IRA, you get an additional $1,000 a year. So you can put $7,000 a year in there after age 50. And also you can put up to $27,000 a year into your 401k. Now, I'm not saying that's that is necessarily what you should do. However, if you are, and many times we see this at the peak earnings of your life, it may make sense to fund more money into the 401k, knowing that I can roll it out later and fund more than I can through a traditional IRA by doing that. I also had a situation here recently where one gentleman decided to turn on his social security while he finished working and he max funded his 401k 
while he took Social Security and started to accelerate paying off a house and a little bit of debt that he had to clean up at the end before he retired. So there's a lot of ways to go about engineering the final stages of a retirement plan. People need to remember, too, you know, at age 59 and a half, you can roll money out of all of your IRAs, your 401ks. You can move that money around anywhere that you want to as long as you keep it in a qualified account. You don't have to pay any taxes. But the biggest thing out of the 401k, because most 401ks are limited on the amount of investments and the options you have, it's really advantageous many times to roll money out of there at age 59 and a half to get all the investment world. And like you said, to be able to access some tools that will give us a pension-like income where we don't have that. Well, there was one word that uh, seemed to jump out at me a couple of times there that both you and Jake mentioned, and that was plan. If you've got a good, solid plan for retirement that is built to withstand any financial storm, chances are you're going to be successful. You're going to be able to retire on your terms. You're listening to Randy Jake of Lloyd Financial Group and our program called Show Me the Money. Thanks so much for joining us here on this fine Saturday morning. Once again, want to remind you that if you would like a plan that can get you to and through retirement with Randy and Jake, you want to sit down for, oh, about an hour or so, do a little visiting there and ask your particular questions with no cost or no obligation to get started on a plan. You can get that by calling 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233, or I think the best way to request your plans to go online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Take a look at the firm there and uh, really find out what the firm is all about and request your complimentary consultation. Once again, it's floydfinancialgroup.com. Happy Saturday. Good morning. You're listening to Show Me the Money. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 KSGF where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd along with Jake. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about creating income for life in retirement. That's right, Randy. And you know, there are so many unique income strategies out there to choose from. And many of our listeners might be wondering which one is right for them and how they can maximize their retirement income and make it last for the rest of their lives. So let's dive right in. Income, of course, very, very important in retirement, probably the most important thing. So let's start with that. We touched on Social Security a little bit. I mentioned this maximization program. I understand that there are, what, Randy, thousands of different ways to take Social Security? Yeah, basically, I mean, depending on when you file and who files first, and if you're a, if you have a spouse, and there's just so many you know different age variables that can come into play. Yeah, there's lots of different timings and ways to file for Social Security, and that's something that we generally address right up front with people, and they kind of warm up pretty quickly. They can tell us generally, well, you know, I was thinking this already before I came in, and then from there we have to look at what else they've saved and whatever other assets they have to go ahead and set up. Up the retirement income stream. Now, Randy, there used to be something called file and suspend. I don't think they have that anymore. Are there other things like that that are hidden in the Social Security Code that people can take advantage of that they may not have known about? Yeah, there's a few things. You know, sometimes when people come in, they're a little bit confused as to how Social Security works, and they think that maybe sometimes the spouse doesn't get a payment if they wait and take a bigger payment for the husband or the wife. Sometimes I hear that once the one spouse files, does it lock in what's happening to the other one? And the answer to that is no. Sometimes they feel like that they have to be married to get a spousal benefit, and that's really not true. If you were married before and married at least 10 years, you may have a spousal 
spousal benefits still available to you. So there's lots of different things that come into play. If you're a widow or a widower, there is a uh, provision for that at age 60 to have early retirement benefits from Social Security. So I always tell people the best thing to do is let's sit down and talk. Yeah, there's no harm in talking at all. There's the cold of the cost of living adjustment. I have read, and I don't know what you have seen, Randy and Jake, but I understand that the COLA that Social Security recipients could be getting this year may be the highest in 40 years. What do you know about that? Yeah, I would believe that. Of course, it's yet to be seen what the consumer price index is going to be. But I would say, based on everything that we've seen, that that's probably an accurate statement. And who knows, it might be as much as 9%. I think one of the things, too, Jeff, that not a lot of people are talking about is the mathematics behind having a massive COLA like that. Because Social Security stacks COLA on top of itself, but it does not subtract when CPI goes down. So... Mm -hmm. If you have a big 9.6% COLA and then next year things contract, but Social Security doesn't, and then when it comes back online again and it goes up another 4%, another 5%, and again, I don't think it's any secret that Social Security is broken and will be bankrupt in about 12-ish years from now. Hmm. and I think that, you know, most likely, and again, I don't want to go way down that rabbit hole. We're not saying that Social Security is going away, but it's going to have to get fixed and have to get changed some so that it has more longevity. But Social Security in general, the mathematics of that are really going to exacerbate the problem that Social Security is starting to run dry a little bit. They're going to have to really start one hand giveth, one hand taketh thing away, yeah. uh, even more so than it already is. Well, I think the other side of that, too, is, you know, if you look back over our shoulder prior to this last increase we got, we were about $96 billion a month in Social Security benefits. We got a 6% increase, so we went over to 103 or $4 billion. And if we get a 9%, we're going to be at 112 or $15 billion. Yeah. Uh, so in two years, you know, we're going to have a huge swing to the tune of, you know, what, $10 billion a month in right. the cost of Social Security. $100 billion a year forever increase wow. that compounds looking forward. I mean, which is, again, I think it's hard to overstate how big a deal that is. I run into so many people who say, well, I'm going to take my Social Security at 62 because it's going to run out in 2032 and I want to get it while it lasts. But as you said, I don't think that Social Security will ever completely go away, but I think that there will be some changes in order to try to save it. And that may be pushing the retirement age out and some other modifications too. So Social Security is uh, probably one of the cornerstones of income in retirement for most people makes up about 30 to 40 percent. What are some of the other sources of income? I know a lot of people don't have pensions these days, so let's set those aside. If you do have a pension, bless you. But if you do not have a pension, what are some of the other ways that you can create income in retirement? Sure, Jeff. One of the things we see mainly today for retirees is they have a 401k, or if they had a small business, they might have an SEP or a Simplified Employee Pension Program. They might have a solo 401k. They might have Roth IRAs You know that they have funded. But predominantly, what we see are 401k huge ones today as compared to where they've been in the past. And I would say that for most retirees, that is their number one asset. We have a few people that over the time, uh, maybe they've had some rental property and so they've sold some rental property or they still have some rental property they collect income from. But the vast majority of money that we put on deposit somewhere or invest somewhere to generate monthly income is qualified money. So we were looking at IRA. IRAs, Roth IRAs, and how we invest that money is more crucial today than ever. So traditionally, looking back over our shoulder, when retirees would come in, 
The old standby portfolio for retirees was the 60-40 portfolio, which was 60% equities and about 40% bonds. Now, it skewed some from their either side, depending on how risk tolerant or intolerant people were as to what that was. But for most people, the old 60-40 rule is what happened out there. Of course, bonds, you know, if we look back over our shoulder 40 years ago, the 10-year Treasury bill paid 15%. Jeff, how would you like to have a 15% guaranteed return today? Oh, I'd love that. (laughs) Pretty crazy, huh? And then we saw that from 1981 through 2020, basically it went from 15% to 0.53. And so uh, really got to the point to where bonds no longer made sense, especially because now what do we see? We see interest rates ticking up. And as interest rates tick up, any bond that we own just is going to get devalued. We're talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group about strategies to create income for retirement. And uh, we've talked about Social Security. We talked about IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks. Gentlemen, what are some of the other ways that you can create income for retirement? Some alternatives. Sure. You know, when we look at portfolios today, we're always looking at, and I just alluded to here a while ago, that basically bonds are kind of a problem right now because as interest rates go up, any bond we buy today is going to get devalued. Now, part of the problem with that is if we have a 2% yield on a bond and interest rates go up to 3 and you need more than your 2% yield off of your bond money, and you need to liquidate some of that, you're going to have to sell that at a discount or a loss. And so getting a 2 or a 2.5% payout and standing in front of a freight train that might cost you 20% mm-hmm. on a bond that you own to get more than that 2.5% yield out of there is just not a good idea. So today what we're looking at is what's going on in the market with all the different things pulling on it, interest rates going up, high energy costs, you know, inflation, the fact that the consumer is still pretty healthy but is probably not going to be extremely healthy into the third and fourth quarter. We have to look at dividend-paying stocks. We have to look at other alternatives to protect and grow money. There's some annuities that will be used in some cases. Uh, there might be people, that, like I said, that still have rental properties and things like that. Rental property right now, if if you own it already, it's a great investment. I would not say it's a good time to go buy rental property mm-hmm. because probably we're going to see values of property go down. I don't want people to go out and pay an exorbitant amount for a property only to see later that it's going to be worth less than they paid. So there's a lot of different things that we can use. And what we do is we look at the risk profile, the income requirements and everything as people come in and sit down with us. And from there, we build a portfolio that works in all kinds of financial weather. Yeah, you're right, Randy. I think that real estate landscape is about to change and uh, get ready for that. We're talking with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group Strategies to Create Income in Retirement for Life. Jake, you and I were talking yesterday and you brought up something that was pretty interesting. Income flexibility. What you mean by that? So a lot of people, when they retire, uh, people are looking for stable income. So they want to look at, you know, Social Security is the same. If, if they have a pension, it's going to stay the same. But some people would like to front load their income. So what do I mean by that? As we talked about earlier in the last segment, uh, you know, the best years of your life are going to be the next five, six, seven years of your life. And some people would like to have more income now, knowing that that will make them have less income later, but they can use that money now to do the 
things that they want to do. Either fix the house up. Some of the guys want to fix up their shop so they have stuff to do once they're retired. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they want to go on some trips, you know, go to Europe or go to Hawaii or even locally, you know, in the in the United States. And they just feel like they're more able to enjoy that income now rather than later. And we can engineer plans that will allow us to push income up now. Or maybe you don't want so much now, but in five years, there's some reason why you want to have more income. So there's there's a lot of ways we can do that. And it's not a one size fits all kind of a plan. Randy, you had mentioned the word annuities, and I know that uh, that they can be a little bit polarizing. What is there to like about annuities and why should you not consider an annuity? Yeah, that's a good point you bring up, Jeff. So uh, on the annuities and the way they work, there's basically two types of annuities. There's a deferred annuity and there's an immediate annuity. The immediate annuity is where most pensions come from. In other words, we have a lump sum of cash and we give this annuity company our lump sum in exchange for a monthly income. Now, when we do that, it's kind of like setting up a pension. We decide whether or not we want it just to pay us or to pay our spouse should something happen to us. And once we do that, that is an irrevocable decision. We can never change that. We really don't like to use those very much because they are so restrictive. And you know, the thing is, if something were to happen to you and your spouse, heaven forbid you were in a car accident, all that money is gone. So we don't like to use that type of annuity, especially in today's world where interest rates are still very low. So we prefer to use what's called a deferred annuity, which allows us to make a deposit and we can earn money based on what the market indexes do is the one we like to use. It's called a fixed indexed annuity. There's probably a couple of thousand variations of that. There are about four on the planet that we think are worth their salt. The rest of them, we would just go ahead and burn them up right now and just tell them, you know, (laughs) we're done with you. Go away. Um, (laughs) And uh, the reason is they all of the all of the fixed index annuities will give you downside market protection. So when we're seeing markets go down, 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 it'll give us protection to the downside. But most of them don't really like to play very well with us on the upside. They want to cap us at two and three and four percent earnings, which we just can't live with. We need something that's going to give us more upside potential than that. So when we use annuities, we are very, 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 very selective. I want to. You made that. Verily, I say. Made that point. Yeah. (laughs) So I just and you know you got to watch out for fees on some. There's the variable annuity that I would tell people you have to be extremely careful with what you're doing there. There are some of those. There's some newer products called Rylas registered index linked annuities Mm -hmm. that maybe makes some sense for some people, but everybody's different. We have to be really careful. But an annuity structured properly inside a portfolio can be an invaluable protection piece for people to go through hard times like we're going through right now. Well, there are a lot of positives to annuities, as you said, and you certainly thoroughly vet those annuities. I think we started out, you said there's something like 250 annuities, then it became 2,500. It's probably 25,000, 25 million annuities now, (laughs) but there's only three or four, as you said, that are worth their salt. And some of the negatives to annuities is that they're not terribly liquid. You can't really put your money in there and, you know, a year later say, well, I want my money back. Usually you can take about 10% out. But again, if you've got questions about annuities, sit down with Randy and Jake and ask those questions. You're listening to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake, Floyd Financial Group. Glad you could be a part of our little Saturday morning get together here. Once again, if you'd like a retirement roadmap, a chance to sit down with Randy and Jake, ask your specific questions and get your complimentary no cost, no obligation retirement plan, or at least get on the 
track to one. Call Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group, 417-889-7233. Get on their calendar. Or you can go out to the website, floydfinancialgroup.com. Look around and request your appointment there. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. We'll be right back with more of our show after this. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your host, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money, and in this segment, we're going to be talking about taxes. Are they eroding your retirement income? Very good question, Randy. You know, it's all too common to forget about tax planning in retirement. You might assume that you're going to have a smaller tax burden once you no longer get a paycheck, but this isn't necessarily the case. In fact, Taxes pose a considerable risk to retirees with tax-deferred retirement accounts like a traditional IRA. If you're looking to optimize your income in retirement, you should also be looking to minimize your tax burden. Are taxes something that are greatly overlooked and misunderstood in retirement income and, you know, how you're going to be taxed on different things? I would say that most people do not understand how they're going to be taxed in retirement. For most people, you know, when you look at uh, figuring your taxes and you're looking at Social Security, Social Security, you look at this thing called provisional income to determine how much of your Social Security will be taxed. And so when you look at that, you look at your Social Security, you take half of that number, and that's what you put in for Social Security to figure your provisional income. Then you take all the other income that comes in minus any Roth IRA income that you have, and then that's going to give you your taxable income. So as we start to look at these uh, outcomes and to engineer our, our taxes looking forward, it's important that we probably start maybe 10 years if we have time before we actually get to retirement. Now, if you're past that point and you're within two, three, four, five years of retirement, all is not lost. There's still a lot that we can do. I would also say this, that you know, depending on how we handle our investments now into our 401ks, whether we do a Roth 401k, if your company has that available to you, or if you just do a Roth IRA on your own outside, there's some income limitations there that some people have when it comes to funding Roth IRAs. I would just say this, my brother-in-law years ago, uh, in fact, it's been probably nearly 12 years ago now, my uh, sister and brother-in-law retired. And as we were engineering their retirement plan, they made you know, a lot of money the last few years of their retirement. So our goal was rather than trying to figure out how to put money someplace pre-tax, like a Roth IRA or something like that, was we decided to make sure that the government paid as much of their retirement plan as possible. And so what I mean by that is we took advantage of some of the there's a few things that you can do out there, like a 412E, used to be called a 412I for professionals like that that have really high income and low staff where we can put away literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year into retirement plans pre-tax, meaning they didn't have to pay the tax today. Then we look at income later, and maybe we're going to pay in a lower bracket later. Now, for a lot of people, that doesn't make sense. It just depends on your current income. For some people, it does make sense to go ahead and fund a Roth. And if you have a Roth option inside your 401k plan at work, go ahead and fund the Roth, knowing that you won't get the tax deduction today. However, your employer is going to go ahead and still make that match, and those will be pre-tax dollars. So you'll have a mixture inside your 401k of some 
some money that's taxable and some that is not. Also, if you have a large 401k and you're within 10 years of retirement, it might actually make sense for us to start to do a conversion of some of that money today over to Roth IRAs, especially if we have time to spread out the tax burden over five to 10 years, it can really make sense to do sometimes. Everybody's case is a little bit different. But, you know, again, most of the money we see in here today, I'd say 70% of it is some type of qualified or some type of retirement money like a 401k, a Roth 401k, or a Roth IRA, or a traditional IRA. So the other monies, if we have money in CDs, if we have money in equities, uh, there's some things that we can do there to mitigate taxes sometimes. But, you know, for the most part, we just need to kind of go in with our eyes wide open. And, and the sooner we look at tax planning for later, the better. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, go into this with your eyes wide open. Unfortunately, a lot of people go into this with their eyes wide shut. And that's where you come in. And that's where Rod Link comes in as well, too. We're talking about whether or not taxes can erode your retirement income. I think the definitive answer there is uh, absolutely. If someone has a pension, and I know a lot of people don't have pensions, but there are some people listening to this who may have pensions, and they're offered a lump sum versus an annuity, a monthly payout, will that affect the taxes that they pay if they take the lump sum versus the monthly annuity? In some cases, yes. If you have a state-funded retirement plan, you get some tax breaks up to around $100,000 in the state of Missouri on pensions. You know, again, we need to kind of see where that shakes out for each person. That's kind of a broad statement, and it's something we need to look at in each case. If you are a minister, there's certain tax breaks for ministers called housing allowances that can be used to take money out of qualified accounts and basically not pay any tax on that and use that for housing. There's just, you know, a lot of ways to go about it. And I would just encourage people, the best thing you can do is just come in, let's sit down, let's look at your situation, and we can give you some sample tax what-ifs. Also, sometimes if people say, well, you know, I'm really wanting to do this this year, and I really want to buy that lake house five years down the road, or I want to buy a new vehicle, you know, or I just know that I want to take $25,000 and go on a trip next year. Sometimes we look at bracket bumping into one year or maybe going into a higher tax bracket one year, knowing that we can stay in the next lower tax bracket, especially when we're jumping between that 12 and 22% tax bracket. If we can just once in a while bump into that 22 and stay in the 12% tax bracket the rest of the time, it can save us a lot of tax dollars. So there's just a lot of ways, and I assure you, I've never skinned a cat. Jeff, there's a lot of ways Mm -hmm. to skin this cat called taxation. Yeah, it's just a saying, ladies and gentlemen. It's just a saying. (laughs) Anyway, you talked about bracket bumping. Sometimes it's called level loading. And what we mean by that is the possibility of taking income at different times in order to minimize taxes. I mean, that's a pretty good strategy, isn't it? If you know that you're going to be having income and you have the option of uh, bumping that into different areas, you can minimize taxes by uh, bumping it from, you know, one time frame into another. Yes, absolutely. You know, the other thing that I would say is sometimes, too, we have people that have done a good job of uh, saving a lot of money in like a savings account or a CD, and they have some after-tax money. And sometimes by blending what's in the market and taking money out of there, we have ways to really mitigate taxes and keep people from ever getting into that 22% tax bracket, at least for many, many years. Are different sources of income in retirement taxed differently? 
Well, a little bit, but in general, I mean, you got capital gains. I mean, the 30,000 foot view is we got capital gains taxes, long and short, and we got ordinary income. Now, short term capital gains are basically ordinary income. So the regular tax bracket is what applies. But of course, we have municipal bonds that are not taxable. We have Roth IRAs that, that don't roll up into your income at all. It's important to know that municipal bond income does actually go into your provisional income, which is actually instrumental in showing how much or determining how much you're going to pay in taxes on your social security. A lot of people are not aware of that, but that is factual, even though that uh, income itself is not taxable, it can affect social security. The other thing a lot of people don't realize, if I have a, a municipal bond and I sell it for a profit, I still owe a capital gain on the profit I made You know, on that, not on the dividend payment or the, or the income, but I do have the profit realization that I have to pay taxes on if I sell it for more than I paid. Well, this uh, tax conversation seems to be a little complex here. Certainly glad that you've got Rod Link there at your uh, service who can help people get through this. We're talking about taxes here in retirement with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. And another thing, uh, being cognizant of required minimum distributions, which start at 70, also very important, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. If you don't uh, take your 72 year uh, you don't take your RMD, they're going to tax you 50% of what you didn't take. Big trouble. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. not good. Yeah, even if your little old aunt Gladys who's 95 years old and is the sweetest uh, thing in the world doesn't take her RMD on time, she is liable to pay a 50% tax penalty. The government is merciless. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> now they they just, you know, they want their tax money yeah. and you know, a lot of people think that the IRA is a benefit for you, you know. Uh, it's really more a benefit for maximizing tax dollars for the government if you think about growing money tax deferred into a giant tax bomb. That's kind of why they were created. If people have plenty of assets, uh, you know, more than they need to live on, could charitable giving be a way to minimize your tax burden? Yeah, I mean, if you have to take the RMD and you want to do it through what's called a QCD, a qualified, you know, charitable uh, distribution, you can do that. You have to be at age 70 and a half still. They didn't move that to 72 yet, but at 70 and a half, you can do those QCDs and it never hits your tax rolls. Prior to that, you cannot do those. But yeah, it is something that, that uh, is a viable tax move, yes. One thing, Jeff, that I would say here too is some people think that by giving money to charity, somehow you get more than a hundred percent like you have this uh if i give a hundred dollars to charity it benefits me a thousand dollars tax wise you know and so i think it's important to understand that you're going to want to have given that money to charity anyway right right to make sense that's not it's not like hey i do a little good deed and and i and i get 10 pats on the back you know it's more there's ways to if you were going to give the money anyway give it away anyway then you can use that to your tax advantage we're talking about taxes with randy and jake here floyd financial group i mentioned I'd link a couple of times here for those people who are not regular listeners of the program. Can you refresh us on who Rod Link is and what part he plays there at Floyd Financial Group? I sure can. Yeah, we've known Rod for a number of years now. He does all of our taxes here for us uh, at Floyd Financial Group and the other companies we operate here. He's just very knowledgeable. Uh, He owns a company down in Nixa called Professional Tax and Accounting. And then he also has uh, linked tax solutions. And he spends a day a week here basically working with our clients to help them develop tax strategies. You know, does a Roth conversion make sense? Does charitable contribution make sense? He helps them work all that out. And if you're a small business owner, he is very good at helping people figure out all of the best tax breaks to use for small business owners. 
And I'll say it again, taxes and health care are two of the biggest expenses that you will have in retirement. So it's well worth your while to try to minimize your taxes. Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group are standing by right now. They want to sit down and talk with you about your individual situation, maybe some ways to minimize taxes in retirement. But even more than that, just to get you on the roadmap to a successful and fulfilling retirement. They're offering a no-cost, no-obligation chance to sit down and ask your questions about an hour or so, but it will be probably the best time investment that you'll ever make. So in order to get your slot on the calendar, again, no cost, no obligation, call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233, 7233 or as always, go out to the website, take a look around, take a look at the faces behind the voices and make your appointment at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. Time for a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about what we might expect from the markets this summer and more when our show continues here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about what can we expect from the markets this summer? And we saw record highs in the stock market in 2021, but 2022 has turned out to be an entirely different story. The market has reacted poorly to the prospect of slow economic growth and the reality of high inflation. Many investors may fear recession amidst a volatile market, high inflation, and changes in the Federal Reserve policy. I don't like that word, recession. So, gentlemen and Randy, I know I sent you a crystal ball. Sorry that it just has never really worked. But without that crystal ball, what is your best prognostication about what the market's going to do this summer? Just your best guess. So in general, Jeff, uh, markets tend to have less trading volume in the summer because people are simply on vacation and are doing other things. If you know anything about the markets, you'll know that volume of trading is really what creates big moves in the market. So if I have some good news, but not a lot of people trading that news, the market is not going to go up as much as it would if there was lots of trading volume. The opposite is also true. If the if the market has some negative news, because there's just not that many people there selling because they're on vacation or whatever, there just won't be as, as big a move. That being said, June and July are typically not great months for the stock market because of that lack of volume. The market kind of gets lulled to sleep. So that's that's the that's the all the time kind of answer. In this particular summer, you know, there's obviously a lot going on here and there's a lot of gyrating and you know, everybody's talking about how inflation is moderating and again, I'm not sure these people have been to the store recently. They must be having it all delivered and put on their credit card because <laughs> yeah. uh, if you go buy anything, um oh, yeah. it, it's pretty crazy. Like we went to a barbecue place over here and you know, we went in and my wife ordered a sandwich from the barbecue place and her mm-hmm. sandwich with fries and a drink was twenty two dollars. Oh my gosh. And and in in this area, good lord, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And you know, I had a sandwich with a, a lower quality meat. And again, I don't want to point fingers here because uh, people may may be listening. But you know, mine was still fourteen dollars. But that's kind of the norm. You know, if you go to Olive Garden, uh, a plate of pasta with marinara sauce on it is thirteen dollars. Mm-hmm. And and I think that to think that inflation, even if it moderates, and so a lot of times when the talking heads on TV are talking about inflation moderating, they're talking about the growth rate 
of inflation moderating, meaning it's not continuing to exponentially go up. But that doesn't mean it's just going to go down tomorrow. You know, all we're saying is that it's not going up at quite as high a rate. It's not skyrocketing as much as it might have been otherwise. So just because inflation was 9% and it goes to 8% doesn't mean it's just all better. You know, um, so we're a long way from the end of that cycle. And I think the Fed is still going to have to do a lot to this market to get it where it needs to be. So the short answer, <laughs> too late, right? The short answer to your question <laughs> That's okay. is, is it's going to be volatile. It's going to be a pretty wild ride. And I think, you know, we're having a little bit of a, of a dead cat bounce right now, but I think we're going to see that turn red here shortly. Yeah, when you say dead cat bounce, that just means, uh, you know, a little uptick in the market. But probably you shouldn't pay much attention to that, right? Well, you know, we're pretty hard on cats on this show, apparently, because we were skinning them earlier, and now we're dropping them and making them bounce. I'm so sorry. um, Again, my wife loves cats, so uh, rest assured that we're not harming any cats. No, no, no. That's an industry term for a bear market rally, meaning, you know, the market's still dead, but it's bouncing. That's kind of the idea. Yeah, Um, So that has to do with what's called an industry mean reversion, meaning it's gotten too far to the downside too fast. And so in order to equalize that, you have this little bounce, but that doesn't change the picture. It doesn't change the prognosis for the next three, four, five, six months. And what's going to be interesting is is as we start heading into midterms, the chaos of ways that they're going to, air quotes, fix the problems is probably going to cause the market a lot of heartache. We're talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group, about what we might expect from the market this summer. So we've established that the market sort of goes into a chill mode in the summertime here. Are there some key indicators that the market is going to turn south or it's going to get better? I mean, what are some of the things that you look for in advance of the market actually moving? So I, I think some people really overthink the market. Um, let's zoom out and let's think about it this way. In what world is the market going to go to new all-time highs with all the crap that's going on right now in the world, right? Like, like how could we make the case that with 8 to 10% inflation, war in the Ukraine, energy prices skyrocketing, all these companies are revising their earnings downwards, how do we, how do we go up in that environment? The answer is we don't. Sometimes common sense is just that. It's sense. You know, it makes sense. And I know it's been a long time since common sense was popular in this country, but (laughs) (laughs) but I think we're about to have a healthy dose of common sense in this market. And we're ready for that. We've been ready for that. Our clients are are protected and ready to go. So when that happens, we're we're in the right position. And on the back side of this, there will be tons of money to be made. And I think that I don't want to sound doom and gloom here. I'm just saying we're overdue for our medicine. Mm-hmm. Once we take our medicine, things are going to get good on the other side of this. And the people that have weathered the storm well are going to get wealthy. Yeah, and I think that's a very good point, Jake, and you almost answered my next question there, and that is, should we stay away from the market, or are there better times to come? I mean, better buying opportunities coming up here. I think that, you know, a lot of times we get asked the question, well, why don't we just get out of the market now and get in at the bottom? Mm-hmm. And I say, well, you know, if you know where the bottom is, that's that sounds great. Let's do that. But the problem is, is the market always leads around the economy, meaning the market will go down before the economy really goes down. 
but the market will also bottom before the economy bottoms. And so trying to guess where the bottom is, is a very difficult thing to do. And it's better to simply lean out and lean in based on market conditions. If we go all the way out, then we have to figure out how to get back in. How, how and when do we get back in? And sometimes all you do is end up missing out on more gain than you saved yourself in loss by completely going in or out. Yeah, I think one thing needs to be added here, too. Of late, I say of late, especially the last three or four months, we've had a lot of people coming in the door. You know, they got their 401ks, their IRAs. And as we're reviewing this stuff, you know, they're down, they're down, they're down. And they really don't know what to do. And they're really concerned about, you know, what is the solution here? And is this over? And when is it going to be over? And like Jake has alluded to, nobody knows exactly when it will be over. But we do know there is more pain to come. And so there's probably needs to be some reevaluation of your diversification, how you're allocated in exactly what asset classes are you invested in, and uh, how protected or how volatile or how much more volatile some sectors of the market are going to be than others. Also, right now, we have a real boon in energy stocks. Uh, they're paying good dividends. The prices are going up. But let me tell you, that will end as well. And so timing on some of this stuff of knowing, like Jake said, when to lean in and out of asset classes is going to be very important. So I would encourage people, if you're feeling really disheartened, you're not sure what to do, give us a call. We'd love to sit down and talk to you. There's no obligation. We'll just visit for a little bit, and hopefully we can give you a little bit of comfort. I think, too, Randy, that that even if people are not ready to retire, we're still fine with sitting with people and giving some general advice on their current 401k situation. Some people don't feel like they can come in because they're five years out from retirement and they don't want to waste our time or whatever. That's not a waste of our time. We want to help people. That's why we're in this business. And and if that means that we're not, you know, that we're helping but not getting paid right now, we're okay with that. We're fine with that. And we want to help people make good decisions based on what their retirement date might be because it's going to get tricky. If you're two years out from retirement right now, that's a very tricky situation to be in because while we are not thinking that you know the market is just going to go down forever, the timing of when you retire has a lot to do with how you should be positioned in this type of environment. We had a nice long bull market before this uh, bear took hold of us here. And I know this is just a guess, but do you think that uh, we're going to be in for another bull market, maybe as strong or as long as the one that we had in the past? I think it's going to be difficult to to have a bull market as long as this one has been, um, simply because the speed of everything is so much faster. I do think there will be a gigantic bull market on the back end of this. Okay, so the Federal Reserve, we've talked about a lot on the show. When the Federal Reserve is injecting money and throwing money out of its window, you know, into the trillions of dollars, if you fought that on the way up, meaning as they were printing all that money, you missed out on huge gains. But the opposite is also true. Now that the Fed has got their vacuum up and they're vacuuming all the money that they printed back up into the system, let's not fight it that direction either. Let's not get cute and give back a lot of the gains that we got simply because, you know, we think markets only go up. You know, markets do go down occasionally, too. 
And I think the takeaway here is that even though the summer here is going to be a, a chill scenario for the market, that things can't help but get better. We're talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group. And once again, complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial plan is yours. If you would like it, call 417-889-7233 or go out to the website and request your complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial review, which could lead to a very nice plan for you. 417-889-7233 or, of course, the website. Website. As I mentioned, floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Out of time for this week, guys. Thank you so much for your time. The bass are biting out there, so let's head out to the boat. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. The retirement professionals at Floyd Financial Group don't understand why so many retirees have to go to a bunch of different places just to get their financial affairs in order when they're all so interconnected. With access to more information than ever before, it's important to work with an advisor who helps secure and grow your wealth while helping you be better prepared to make decisions that help you reach your goals for retirement. They are fiduciaries who actively manage your money with their sole focus on you and your personal situation. So call Floyd Financial Group today at 877-889-PLAN to schedule your complimentary retirement review. In today's world, it doesn't make sense to work with a financial professional who can't offer you a full breadth of services. You've worked hard to save, and now you deserve more value from your advisor. At Floyd Financial Group, they start by putting their focus on you and your goals for retirement. Then, they work with you to help build and maintain an integrated strategy for your future. Schedule your complimentary review today by calling 877-889-PLAN. That's 877-889-7526. Or go online to floydfinancialgroup.com.